From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Hello and welcome along to the local cricket show. We ran up all of the action from around the county. Yes, this is From the Pavilion. My name is Ollie Slack and alongside me is Nathan Johns. This is your home of cricket here in Cambridgeshire. On today's show, we'll be rounding up the action from the Valsey match between Cambridge and Oxford at Teddington. We'll be finding out how the Light Blues got on last week. We'll also be hearing from Emma Jones, who plays for Cambridge University. She has made her debut for the South East Stars this summer too. It's been a cracking few months for her. Nathan catches up with her. We'll also be rounding up the East Anglian Premier League and the Camden Hunts Premier League as ever. And round one of the FTP Quiz Cup continues as Foxton take on Eaton Soken. You can get in touch with the show, as always, on social media at FTP Cricket 105 on both Twitter and Facebook. Thanks very much for tuning in and also for listening on the podcast. My name's Ollie Slack. As I said, alongside me is Nathan Johns. Nathan, how are you doing? Yeah, not so bad, Ollie. How are you? Yeah, good, thank you. A bit, um, well, a bit painful at the minute because <laughs> this week's show, just to let people know, we are uh, we are pre-recording at different different whereabouts in the country. So I am in Herefordshire. Nathan, you are, where are you? I've actually gone home. Uh, I managed, I managed to nip home for the week back to back to Ireland. So yeah, a rare a rare week at home before I come back over to, to the UK, which is nice. So I've got a mini trip in in Herefordshire. Nathan's over in Ireland to see the family. And for my commitment to the show to make it as soundproof as possible, I'm staying in like a little cabin, which has got quite hard furnishings. I'm under my duvet, leaning on my left elbow, which is taking a lot of weight at the minute. And uh, not that I'm sort of overweight, just done my whole body weight. And I've got pins and needles in my left foot as well. But hopefully the sound quality is spot on for everyone listening at home. How long do you reckon your elbow can hold? I don't know. I'll let you know. If you hear a big crash and the duvet falls down and my laptop lid smashes down as well, my mic goes everywhere, then you will know. The listeners probably won't because I'd have edited it out. But yeah, not great. I'm in this uh, fold-out bed as well. Right. And I don't think we put it out properly because halfway through the night I leaned onto the left-hand side of the bed and it like flipped <laughs> and I was sort of like pushed up against the wall almost on the floor and managed to oh my, my leg. Oh, that's hilarious. I was sort of thinking at one point during the night the bed was just going to like collapse in like the two ends are going to come together and I'd just be like a sandwich. Uh, oh no, that's not what you need in holiday. No. Anyway, how's Ireland? Yeah, good actually. Weather's really nice and uh, just enjoying not having to do a lot after after finishing up uni and everything that entails and then moving I hate moving and packing etc so having having done all that got it out of the way it's, uh, it's nice and relaxing it's a faff isn't it it's like no. it's like sort of packing your bag cricket bag away at the end of the game are you always the ones that are like really tidy and organised or are you one of the last to leave because you've just left your stuff all over the changing room no, I've definitely I've chucked the kit everywhere whenever I've gotten out. So I I have to spend ten minutes. I've to you know fishing it out from everywhere and or different corners and different bins or whatever. I've worked more bats in the shower that type of thing. So yeah, no, I, I I'm always one of the last to leave. I have a big clean up job. Yeah, likewise, but not for the same sort of reasons because obviously I'm anything but a top order batsman. So far, I'm usually either got my pads on waiting to go in at the end or have just come in trying to absolutely swing the paint the paint off the ball and uh, and I'm always last of them to take my pads off so I just don't have time to then put it back in my bag before you have to have tea and then go out to bowl again so it's just left there and then I have to take the score book and the payment machine and I'm always the last to leave never oh is that, is that your job you're the yeah. admin are you yeah yeah I'm the admin I'm the admin that's all I offer to the team is good admin it seems like a tough job that having to go around and, and get the match fees at the end you just you know you feel I, I don't. I always pity the guy who has to do that because everyone always forgets the, the money or doesn't have their card on them or, or that type of thing. So having to chase them up seems like a bit of a thankless task. But the old payment card payment machine has been a godsend because cash is a nightmare because I think it's something like ten, twelve pounds, or if it's twelve pound, oh no one ever has the two pound coins. So they always no, say, "I'll give you ten, and then we'll yeah. pay you again next week." But the the card has been a card machine has been a lifesaver really because it's just so easy. You just tap it and we're all contactless now. It's uh, easy peasy, but uh, yeah, it's uh, just a bit of a faff carrying all that stuff around. But I must add, it's been a bit annoying actually. The the one week that good old, well, I say the one week, we have actually won a couple of games, but Blunty put in a good performance and we get over the line a really good win. We're not in the studio to talk about it, which is a bit of a shame. Oh no, well, you can still tell me what happened. Yeah, I don't want to gloat too much, but I did 
I did deliver best ever bowling figures on Saturday, Nathan. Oh, so how many, how many wickets did you get? It was a, I said, a lightning fast spell. Well, that's never the case. It was a spell of eight overs off the back, four maidens, six runs, and four wickets. So four for six. Oh wow! How how did you, how did you get them? Bold uh, W caught, uh, no, caught first, through the four wickets. <laughs> first wicket was probably the the worst ball I've bowled probably all season. It was a half tracker outside off stump, cut to point. So absolutely disgusting, nice. disgusting. The true phrase is in rubbish takes wickets. Uh, but to be fair, the next three were actually quite good. So two of them were done by uh, off-cutter slower balls. I probably shouldn't reveal my master plan to future batsmen, but oh well. And, uh, <laughs> uh, off-cutter slower balls. One was nicked outside off the stump to second slip. So the uh, third wicket was nipped back in through the gate, clipped the top of the bales. And then the fourth one was actually a really good ball, to be fair. Swung away, nipped back in through the gate. It was actually a good ball. God, it sounds like the pitch was doing all sorts. Yeah, it wasn't really just 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 the skill, really, just the skill. Just you, just yeah. you, of course. Sorry, how could how could I do you that disservice? <laughs> no, to be fair though, I walked I walked around the ground on the Thursday before the game, and the wicket you couldn't even see it again because of all the rain we'd had. I mean, we've got covers, but they're obviously off and on infrequently throughout the week. And uh, yeah, I mean, it was like walking around in April before the season starts. It's ridiculous, but the pitch played pretty well as it always does at Blunting. Oh, so you did well to get the four for then. 260 played 130-40, so it's pretty one-sided. Excellent. Well, look, sounds like you had a very good day out. Did you celebrate accordingly? Uh, not too much, because obviously we had the England game the next day, so I wanted to save myself. But Oh, of course, yes. That, that didn't yeah. go too well. What about you? Did you play on the weekend? Uh, no, I didn't. I was uh, I was en route to coming home, so I uh, didn't, didn't manage to get out, sadly. Okay. Oh, well. When are you next in action? Uh, not quite sure, actually, because you know I start start a job soon next week, and that that probably will rule me out for quite a while. So it could actually be quite a while. It'll be towards the end of the season by the time I get back out. Sadly, I think a long awaited return awaits. We'll talk about that job later on in the back half of the show, actually. So uh, keep your ears peeled, and we'll see what Nathan's getting up to over the next few weeks in the latter part of the show. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. Right, it's time to crack on with the FTP Quiz Cup and we're on the penultimate tie of round one. Last week, it was, uh, it was Tim Anderson, wasn't it, of Iceland who managed to, to get through by default because uh, Ramsey's Elliot Kafaki didn't turn up. So uh, Nathan had a go against him and unfortunately lost anyway, but it didn't matter because we, we sent him through to the quarterfinals. Two teams will be hoping to, uh, to make it through to the, the quarterfinals once again this week. And joining me is Foxton's Ravi Mahendra and Eaton Sokin's Graham Duff. Evening, chaps. Evening. Evening. Graham, let's start with you. How are you doing? How's the, the season going so far? All OK? Uh, yeah, not too bad. I mean, as a club, we're doing doing very well. We've had a really good start to the year, um, both first and second team. Uh, yeah, it's going very well. Ravi, for you, you had the old uh, National Village Cup victory a, a week last Sunday. That must have been a cracking win, albeit quite, probably quite wet. I think it was raining last weekend, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a... Two mixed, well, two um, two performances from uh, the opposite end of the spectrum last weekend. Our first team lost to uh, to Graham's Eaton Saken uh, quite convincingly on Saturday. Then on Sunday we uh, we had a really good result against Crowhurst Park um, in Battle in Hastings. Um, so we yeah we progressed through to the national quarterfinals now, which we're quite excited about. Oh, nice, very very nice indeed. And the, and the season as a whole going all okay? Yeah, all going well. All going well. I think. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been a bit rubbish with the weather recently, but um, hopefully it brightens up over the next couple of weeks and we can get some really good weather in uh, to finish us off at the end yeah, of the season. Exactly that. Let, let's hope so. But, of course, you two you two guys, in terms of your teams, Fox and Eaton Soakin, went head-to-head not so long ago, so it's uh, renewing your rivalries again uh, this evening. I'll explain the, the format for you for the quiz. So you'll be competing against each other in a best-of-five contest. Each question will have six possible answers. The player going first will take a guess. If they are right, they get the point. If they don't, then play passes to your opponent. If they then get it wrong, play returns back to your opponent. A bit like a tennis rally. And to decide who is going first, you will answer a separate question called the toss. And the closest answer wins in the toss. Does that all make sense, guys? All okay? Yeah, fine. All on board, yeah. Good. Glad to hear. Phew, a sigh of relief. Nathan will get us cracking with the toss. Take it away, Nathan. Yeah, so ahead of 
the England-Pakistan T20 series. The toss question concerns Babar Azam. How many international T20 runs has he scored? And we'll start with you, Ravi. Um, I'll say 20,000. Okay, and what about you, Graham? Where are you going? Um, in, uh, not as much as that. Uh, 15,000. Well, the number I have in front of me is 2,168 international (laughs) runs. So you are correct, not as much as that. So that means, Graham, you win the toss and the first question will be going to you. Good start, lads. (laughs) (laughs) 20,000, Ravi. I panicked. I wanted to go second. What can I say? Uh, To be fair, Ravi, you, you you should be the man feared. You won our New Year's Eve quiz, didn't you? Or New Year's Day quiz, sorry. That was on a bit of a, um, I think that was on a, uh, a bonus round question, wasn't it? Was it? Okay, yeah, it was actually, yeah, it was, it was. Well, I, yeah. didn't, I didn't know I was playing against someone who's already won. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've too, been studying all. Too late now, Graham, you're committed. Anyway, Graham has uh, won the toss, you get the, the first question. So, it also concerns Pakistan, because Pakistan paceman Shaheen Afridi took four wickets in four balls last summer, for which county in the T20 Blast? So who did he play trade with last summer in the Blast? Was it Yorkshire, Lancashire, Essex, Notts, Worcestershire or Hampshire? What do you reckon, Graham? Hampshire. You're going with Hampshire? Yeah. Good lad, correct. First point on the board. So 1-0 to Eaton Soak and 1-0 to Graham. Question two. This is for you, Ravi. West Indies are in the middle of a five-match T20 series against Australia, with every match being played in St Lucia. But which legendary player is the stadium named after? Is it Viv Richards, Chris Gale, Marlon Samuels, Darren Sammy, Michael Holding or Gordon Greenwich? I'm going to say Viv Richards. You going with Viv Richards? Yeah. Unlucky, Ravi. Back over to you, Graham. What do you reckon? Uh, I think it's Darren Sammy. 2-0. 2-0 to Graham. And this is to clinch it as well. The third question for you, Graham. Graham, following the COVID fiasco where England had to call up an entire new ODI squad for the Pakistan series, apart from Ben Stokes, who was obviously the new skipper, before the series started, who was the most capped ODI player in England's group? Was it Jake Ball, Saki Mahmood, Ben Duckett, Danny Briggs, James Vince, or Craig Overton? Uh, James Vince. It was not James Vince. That play pass to you, Ravi. Um, Saki Mahmood. No, so we go back. We go back to Graham. There, Graham. Do you remember the the options, or do you need me to call them out again? Yeah, I think. Um, I can remember one, so I'm going to guess Briggs. Going with Danny Briggs. <laughs> Graham got it wrong, so what do you reckon, Ravi? Back over to you. Am I allowed to ask what, what's left? If I can remember myself, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, we've got Jake Ball, Ben Duckett and Craig Overton left. Jake Ball. <laughs> you going with Jake Ball? Back in the game, Ravi. Back in the game, 2-1. And if I'm right, this question is for you, Ravi. In England women's recent series against India, which batter did not pass 50 at least once across the one test match and three ODIs, of course, before the T20s got underway? What do you reckon, Ravi? Is it Sophia Dunkley, Nat Siver, Tammy Beaumont, Heather Knight, Laura Winfield-Hill or Nitali Raj? I want to say Tammy Beaumont. You're going with Tammy Beaumont? <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not correct. Graham, a chance to clinch it again? Uh, Knight. You're going with Heather Knight? <laughs> Back over to you, Ravi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm going to go Dunkley. you going with Sophia Dunkley? <sighs> Graham. You got another chance. I think um, uh, let's go Winfield Hill. You going Winfield Hill? He's done it. <laughs> He's clinched it. At last, 
Oh, <laughs> everyone shouting the answers at the radio in their cars or at home. Uh, a sigh of relief is the correct answer was given. <laughs> Ravi, unlucky mate. No worries. Thank you for that. Thank you. Well, well done, Graham. Top work. Cheers, Ravi. Thanks, mate. That's it. That's it. A big scalp, that is, Graham, defeating the New Year's Day quiz champion. Ravi, thanks so much for your time, mate. Really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully catch up soon. Thanks, Ollie. Thanks, Nathan. Graham, congratulations. You're uh, through to the quarterfinals. And uh, hey. Eden Soken are in it. How'd you feel? Uh, yeah, I've, I've good good start. And then my lack of overall knowledge shone through at the end with a little bit of luck. <laughs> no, I think, I, honestly, Graham, I think I think you had it in you. You're fine. Will it be yourself representing Eaton Soken once more or will you pass the baton on to someone else at the club? Um, I know Joe Dorban fancies himself as a bit of a does uh, he? cricket does he? But he, does, he also likes to get on the radio as much as possible. So I might, I might try and hold him off, but I would imagine it'd be one of myself or him. Okay, there's a bit of pressure on Joe's shoulders if he comes on and, and has to try and get through to the semis after your performance today. But... It was a good performance, Graham. You're through to the quarters. Thank you very much. We'll let you know who Eaton Soken have got in the uh, quarterfinal draw in a couple of weeks' time. But for now, congratulations and uh, speak soon. No worries. Cheers. Have a good day, lads. Well, that was a funny old last question. But there were good questions in there, Nathan. I handed the responsibility, the heavy lifting over to yourself this week. And uh, very good. The, to be fair, that England ODI squad question, who's got the, or who had the most caps before the ODI series started, that's a. Uh, a real tricky one. I would have gone with James Vince out of those six. Jake Ball, Saki Mahmood, Ben Duckett, Danny Briggs, James Vince, Craig Overton. Yeah, well, I mean, I was looking at the squad and it just popped into my head. And like you, I just instinctively went went Vince. Mm. Um, probably because he played in the World Cup, isn't it? He got those couple of games when uh, when Roy was out. Um, but yeah, it's easy to forget. I mean, Ball had all those ODIs over in Australia a couple of years ago, didn't yeah. he? That was back when he was in, in the ODI setup. And to be fair, it is close. So Jake Ball has played or had played before the start of the series 18 ODIs and Vince is on 16. So it's close, but uh, yeah, no, Jake has more caps. Mm. Yeah, I think he's probably been around for probably a lot longer than, than we think as well, to be honest. But that was a cracking question. And uh, the last question, a lovely little local one as well. I think we'll reveal this because it's probably going to go out of date by the time we do the quiz with Sourcen of Abraham and Bluntersham next week. So for those listening at home, which Cambridgeshire batsman recently scored a ton in their 50-over trophy group match against Norfolk? Ben Seabrook? Jack Potakari, Callum Guest, Wayne White, Wackers Hussain, or Ben Clilford? Tell you what, we'll reveal the answer after the break. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. You're welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Ollie Slack and Nathan Johns with you. Now, the answer to the question, who recently scored a ton for Cambridgeshire? Of course, it was Mr Wayne White. We had him on the show last week. If you want to listen back to that interview, you can do. Just head over to cambridge105.co.uk or find us on Apple and Spotify podcasts with From the Pavilion. Now, our feature interview this week is with someone you know very well, Nathan, Emma Jones, who's been smacking the ball to all parts for Cambridge University this season. Yeah, she's been doing really well for Cambridge University. She opens the batting and the bowling. It's funny enough, so in her South East Stars action, she's actually primarily a bowler. But for the uni team, like I said, she opens the batting and in one game, up in Nottingham, I think it was, in a 30-over game, she got 200. So obviously she knows what side of the bat to hold as well. So, uh, yeah, she's been going really well and uh, deservedly made her debut for the South East Stars recently, who, are, of course, they represent the London and South East Regional Centre of Excellence. And she got some T10, T20 action in against the Loughborough Lightning about 10 days ago now. And uh, I caught up with Emma very recently to talk us through her debut. So we played at Trent Bridge on Saturday. And so we got sent the team on, I think, the Wednesday evening, and I found out I was playing. And, yeah, it was really nice. I've, I've been 12th man a few times um, for the 50-over competition. But this was the first T20 of the competition. And, yeah, great to get the call up. Tell me about being in Trent Bridge and what that was like as an, as an experience, because that's quite a cool ground, to international ground to get your first cap on. Yeah, it was really cool. Like, you step out and you can just see stands around you. And obviously, you're like, ah, oh, it's it's really cool to think of the people who've played there. In terms of actually getting the, the, the ceremony and everything like that, in these COVID times, did you, did you have anyone important shake your hand and say, well done at the beginning? Yeah, so um, Alice Davidson-Richards presented me my cap. Um, so she's one of the contracted players in the Stars and she was 
over the winter she really helped me with she's also a bowler so she was a big part in helping me get to that point in my game where I would have the chance of being selected so it was really nice of her to give me my cap pretty special of course and in terms of the details of the game itself so you were playing Loughborough Loughborough Lightning at Trent Bridge as we said and the Stars uh, coasted really to a six-wicket win after bowling Loughborough out for 107. How did you go personally? What were your bowling figures like? Um, so I think I bowled my first over in the power play and I got a wicket in my first over. So that was <laughs> that was one way to get rid of the nerves, I think. Um, yeah, um, and then I bowled, I think, maybe the 19th over at the end, which didn't go as well, but... I still, yeah, I really enjoyed the experience. Like, it's one of those things they always say your first game will go really quickly, but I didn't realise how quickly it would go. I looked at the board, I was like, oh my God, we're halfway. And it felt like I'd been out there for five minutes. Does it all seem like a bit of a blur then? Look, I feel like it, it, it's like thinking of a film, really. Like, I can remember being there, but it just doesn't feel like I was the one doing it, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I was quite nervous beforehand, so yeah, getting the wicket really helped me. And then I could enjoy the rest of the game a little bit more because the pressure was off a little bit. You weren't the only debutante on the day. Did that did that help things at all? That there were three of you, three new caps on the day, and you could kind of lean on each, lean on each other a bit. Yeah, that really helped. So there were three of us, and the other two I came through the academy with. So. At the start of the winter, I don't think any of us thought we would be in the senior squad. So I think we're all in the same position when we got, did get called up. It was like, oh, I wasn't ever expecting to be here, but it's so nice to be here. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you mentioned there some of the contracted players you've been training with all winter. What's it like to be in that dressing room with, you know, with, with England internationals, etc. And, and to have, have those people you can learn from, from, that must be something really cool. Oh, it's amazing. Um, so we've got I think oh, six, five contracts players and an England player that's been allocated to us and three of them are seniors. Um, so they've really been helping me with like field setting and plans and just the confidence. And then, so Bryony Smith, who's taken over the captaincy at the moment, uh, she sent me a message before the game um, the night before to say that, yeah, just good luck, enjoy it. And it's yeah, you go out onto the pitch knowing that you've got everyone's support, which is really nice, and they will get behind you. And it, yeah, it's just it's just a big family, really. And tell me how you got involved with the stars. Yeah, so it's a bit um, rogue. So I play for Essex in county cricket, which isn't actually part of the stars allocated uh, region. Um, so I I spent I think three years. We had. Um, a Surrey Stars Regional Development Centre um, that I was a part of. So all the coaching staff were similar there. And so this year, when it came to choosing a region, I thought even though there was a region, I think the Sunrise was a, it encompassed Essex, really. And I thought I, I wanted to go down there because I knew the coaching staff and I knew the players really well. And yeah, I just thought I'd get more out of it. And I'm glad I did. How do you know that the, the coaches and players down that that end of the country better if if like you said you're playing for Essex? Have you are you assuming you played with and against them quite a lot then if you know them well? Yeah, so when I was part of the we had a Surrey Stars Regional Development Centre for three years. So I was down there, so the coaches were the same as they are for the stars now. Um so I've worked with them for quite a while. How long ago was that you were involved with, with the Surrey Stars? Uh, so it was three years, so it was from probably 2018. What's the dynamic like, presumably being one of the younger members now of the senior team, and now that you've made that step up, uh, you know, how, how have you found being with with all those experienced players who, you know, are different, like your student, your university, a lot of these people obviously are a bit older and maybe have full-time jobs. How, how does that work? Yeah, so there's a yeah, there's a lot of variety within the team. So obviously you have six or so players who do this full time and can therefore take all the training um, that they need. And then some of us balance working or going to university. So it's a bit more of a hassle. A hassle. Um, 
But I think that's where COVID's almost been quite useful with online lectures. So I've been able to shuffle what I do through the day so that I can leave a slot in the afternoon to go to training or to, yeah, sort of organise my day so that I can fit both in, if that makes sense. So let's talk about that, actually, the, the balancing your studies with, with playing this, this high level of cricket, because, you know, you're a, you, you do vet med at Emmanuel College, as we said. So it sounds like quite a, an intensive course, um, anecdotally, at least, so, so, I, so I've been told. Um, and like we said, and you, you're training quite a lot. And you mentioned there COVID lectures and being online, et cetera. But presumably there's been quite a lot of travel um, from Cambridge down to, down to the stars. Yeah, so it was a lot. So it worked out quite well because our training started just after Michaelmas term ended. And then obviously Lent term was um, from home or I was at home for Lent term. So I was able to get the train to and from training. And it was it wasn't easy, but it was easier than it might have been otherwise. Um, and then it was a lot harder when I came back to Cambridge, especially with exams, to try and get to training sessions. And it, it got a bit frustrating, to be honest, trying to <laughs> trying to make a case for myself and the team when I felt like I wasn't making it to enough training sessions to put myself forward. Um, but yeah, I think that's where it's been really good um, because I, I put on in all that effort over the winter. So I think I was in a good place where I didn't have to be stressing out as much over trying to get to all these things. But yeah, it's still, still stressful, I'm going to say. But yeah, enjoyable. And how much is playing university cricket kind of helped with that stress of not being able to train as much and not being able to put your put your best foot forward? Because, I mean, you've, you've clearly been doing quite well for Cambridge Uni. I mean, it, I think we've mentioned it before, but anyone who doesn't know, you had that ridiculous innings up in, up in Nottingham, wasn't it? What, 200 in the 30-over game, which was absolutely ridiculous. Uh, so it seems like you've been enjoying your university cricket, at least. Yeah, it's been really good. Like, I think, we well, we had our varsity game a couple of days ago which was the last one of the season but it's just been such it's been a really nice season lovely girls and it was just fun which I think is the main thing it made like when obviously I really enjoy the professional cricket that I've been doing but it's nice to come back and have cricket where you're just playing because you enjoy it and there's no pressure on you and I think that's where I probably started the season really well because I wasn't worrying about how I would do. Um, I'm going to say my batting's gone downhill since that. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. Um, no, it's been really enjoyable. And then we've had Paul Hutchison as a coach who's been really supportive of me and helping me manage my cricket. And yeah. I don't, uh, yeah, I'm sort of waffling on here, but it's been really good. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And then maybe just to finish things off, you, you spoke about the stars. We've got six contracted players. Um, you know, you're really enjoying your, your being at university and combining that with, with high level cricket. And how much of a pathway is there for you maybe to go on and become one of those contracted players? Is that something you're looking to do or is this something that you're doing for as long as you can while, while studying to become a, vet, a veterinary medic? Um, that's a tough one. It's, it's one of those things I don't really think too far into the future. If I could be a professional cricketer, I would absolutely love to, but I'm not going to stress about it too much at the moment. I've got plenty of time and, I think the great thing about how cricket is moving is that more and more of those contracts will be available and hopefully it'll get to the point where the whole team is professional rather than maybe half of it. Um, but yeah, I think we're taking it as it goes and just see where I can get with both, really. So that was Emma Jones there from Cambridge University. She also plays for the South East Stars. Fascinating chat that we yourself, Nathan. Great to hear her and how she made her debut and best of luck for her for the, the rest of the season as well. Sticking with the university side, you've been keeping an eye on the men this week, of course, in the three-day varsity, the big one against Oxford. Yeah, so the like you said, the three-day varsity was last week, obviously usually a four-day game, but it's 
it was a three-day game this year because the, the fixture had to be moved last minute from Oxford to Teddington in London. And of course, I think ground availability meant they could only have it for three days rather than four days. And the match was drawn, um, I think probably because it was only the three days rather than the usual four. But Cambridge were put into bat on day one and they batted for all the way through and into day two as well, eventually being bowled out for 314. Aaron Amin, who of course had that incredible knock at Lords, if you remember, he scored another half century. He clearly likes the Oxford bowling there. He got 58 in the top score there. Oxford were bowled out for 138 in reply and were asked to follow on. But eventually they did put together a much better second inning, scoring 233, which did ask Cambridge to bat again. So very late on day three, very late in the piece, Cambridge needed I think it was 57, if my maths is correct, to win that. And they did have a good, a very good go at it, but ultimately they ran out of time at 52 for six after nine overs very late on day three. So they came very close to pulling off what would have been a fantastic win. One man who played in that game for Cambridge and who has had a very good season is Adit Rajiv, who I think it's safe to say has had a bit of a meteoric rise. Having started the year out in the second team, he took five wickets in their varsity T20 match. So obviously five wickets in a in a four-over spell there. Something quite incredible. And his form has continued to the point where he managed to get a call-up for the first team in this game, earning his first blue. And I caught up with Alec after the game. He took two for in both innings on his debut. I think it was uh, somewhat frustrating to not get the result in the end. I think we got really close. Obviously, we're in... I think it was five runs within the target by the end. And obviously, we went quite hard for the nine-overs that we were in. I think we also recognise that obviously this year, due to the game not being able to be played in Oxford, it was obviously a three-day instead of a four-day. And in any other normal circumstances, even an extra 10 minutes would have been enough for us to win that game, uh, let alone an extra day. So obviously we, we did recognise that we felt that we were the dominant team for the three days. And I think the I guess the scorecard would probably back that up. And we played a lot of good cricket. I guess under the circumstances, it's a shame not to, you know, technically you know get the result but we all we all obviously sort of recognize that in a normal year in a normal setting we we would win that game but you know credit to Oxford as well I think they they stuck it out really well on the third day to get a lead firstly and and you know make us bat again and uh, a couple of the guys batted a long time especially in that middle session and then the final session made it really difficult to you know get them out and they did well to draw and probably at the start of the day given how we bowled and how they batted on the second day in the evening session. They did, you know, they probably what came in, everyone probably came to the day expecting Cambridge to win. So for them to pull off a draw and for us not to get the win was slightly frustrating, correct? But um, we, we moved forward with the positives. Let's talk about your own personal performance. Two for in each innings, both economic. I'm looking at the scorecard here. You know, you went at below twos in, in both innings. You must have been pretty happy with how you went. Yeah, I think so. I think it, it was good to... Obviously, I was really happy to get the call up in the first place and um, I guess to get my blue in my very last game as an undergrad. Uh, we was happy to get you know some key wickets. I think Hargrave and Nodder, obviously, two, two of Oxford's sort of best players. So it was nice to get them. You know, it, it would have been nice to have been able to wrap things up probably earlier in Oxford's second innings. I think in, in the middle spell, you know, it would have been nice to hopefully get one earlier than we did. But I guess I look back and I think, yeah, I put in a good shift, and you know, it was it was it was a it was a good effort all, all around from the entire bowling attack. I think Aaron, especially in the second innings, you know, it was a really heroic spell from him to bowl. I think you know more than 35 overs, going at ones, something like that, and you know, really putting a lot of pressure on the Oxford batsmen. And um, and I, and I think all the seamers did a really good job as well. Everyone coming in with important wickets at crucial sort of intervals. So it was uh, it was good to be part of that attack and. Um, yeah, I think I think we, we put in a good effort, and personally, I thought yeah, put it put in a good effort as well. So um, you know, shame not to completely f- fully get the job done, but it was also a good effort from the attack to get twenty wickets, twenty Oxford wickets in you know one and a half days. From the Pavilion on Cambridge One Hundred and Five Radio. Right, it's time to recap the local cricket from the weekend, and let's start with the East Anglian Premier League as Cambridge won this week's local derby, seeing off Saffron Walden away from home by a margin of 50 runs. The visitors were asked to bat after losing the toss, posting a commanding 311 for seven off 64 overs. Liam Lombard and Johnny Atkinson, the contributors of note there, were 93 
and 77, respectively. In reply, South and Walden were bowled out for 261. Alex Sears, our good old friend Searsy, fell one run short of his half century, while on the Cambridge side, both Simon Akhtar and Jake Lawrence picked up three first with the ball. Now, Sauston Baybram have gone five games without a win after a second consecutive draw, this one coming at Frinton on Sea. The Essex based side were bowled out for 181. After being put into bat, Tim Moses and George Darlow taking three first. But in reply, one, three, two for seven was all that could be mustered as Sauston Baybram had to settle for eight points in another draw. That one was affected by the rain as well. Matt Haig followed up his big score last week with 49. Well, Laxning were in action too, but were comprehensively beaten by Copdock and Old Ipswichian after being bowled up for 63. Burwell and Exning did at least take two wickets with them looking to defend their low total but the visitors ultimately reached their target with eight wickets to spare. Yeah, pretty easy chase, that one, a very easy chase. In fact, Sauston Babraham remained the highest-placed local side in the division in second, but are now 11 points behind Great Witchcombe in the battle for top spot. Cambridge remained in sixth, but their winners extended the gap between them and seventh place, Saffron Walden, to 23 points. Burnlexing dropped one spot to ninth after their loss. Remember, there's 12 in the league. Burnlexing are just the one point behind Copdock and Old Ipswichian, who are eighth. Next week, Cambridge hosts bottom of the table, Horsford. There's a big game at the bottom of the table, as well as Burnexing travel to Frinton-on-Sea, who are 11th. Saffron Walden are away to league leaders Great Witchingham, and Sauston and Babraham look to return to winning ways. We've been turning that for a couple of weeks now against Sudbury. Moving on now to the Cams and Hunts Premier League, and it was another week and another win for Eaton Soken as their streak now stands at nine wins on the bounce. Ramsey were the defeated opponents this time, succumbing to a 111-run loss as they were bowled out for 1-2-1 in pursuit of 2-32-6. Adam Newman was the pick of the Eaton-Soken attack with 4-36, while Jonathan Carpenter's 93 led the way with the bats. Elsewhere, Histon remained in second after an eight-wicket win at home to Stanford Town. They chased down 2-2-1 for eight for the loss of just two wickets. Kieran McKenzie was fantastic there. He had an unbeaten 128 to anchor the chase. Cambridge St. Giles defended 206 against Wisbech Town, bowling out their opponents 184. Vance Bajaj also had a good day out. He led the way with an unbeaten 81 before taking three for himself. Wisbech's Sam Albert chipped in with 44 in a losing effort, while Foxton saw off Marchtown comfortably by 136. Adam Webster's 98 was crucial to setting a first innings total of 2496 before seven wickets from Rakshith Rao went a long way to skittling March for 113. That's some spell there. So, of course, that leaves the league table as follows. Like we said, Eaton Soken are now top, followed by Histon. Fox and Wisbech make up the top four there. Stamford, Cambridge, Ramsey and March follow them, while the bottom two are Cambridge and St. Ives Town and Warboys. In Division 2, Newmarket continued their winning run with a narrow 12-run victory over Worsley. They defended 158 in a reasonably low-scoring affair there. Mark Nunn had a very good day out, scoring 50 and then taking three for 47. Elsewhere, Saffron Walden 2s were bowled out for only 73, meaning Blunham had a relatively straightforward 8-wicket win there, while Foxen were also skittled cheaply as Old Lesians bowled them out for 93 before chasing it down with 7 left in the shed. Blunham remained top then in that division, but Newmarket still keep up the pressure, only 6 points behind in 2nd, with Saffron Walden down in 3rd. Now in Division 3, Sauston and Bayburn 2nds continue to dominate after an 8-wicket win over Eaton Soken 2s. Ben Benson and Joshua Jordan both notched half-centuries as they chased down 175 with just two down. Burwell and Exton were bowled out for 79 in pursuit of Orton Park's 114 for 8, while Wizwich Town also fell short in their chase, falling to a 158-run defeat at home to South Hill Park. So like we said there, Sauston and Bayburn remain dominant and they are now 52 points clear at the top after their win. So we mentioned their Cambridge's win on Saturday. Unfortunately, they couldn't repeat the success on Sunday as they lost in the ECB National Club Championship. Managed to reach the last 16, but a 10-wicket defeat to a very strong Brentwood outfit has seen them exit the competition. Despite the nature of the results, skipper Lewis Hill believes there are plenty of positives to take into the rest of the league campaign, as I said, after reaching the last 16 in the country. Definitely pleased with the cup run, that's that's for sure. I think the guys who did play in that particular cup on, on a Sunday can hold their head up high and, and, and say that they competed well throughout that tournament. Yeah, obviously to, to lose in, in the manner we did is obviously disappointing, but at the same time, sometimes you have to say well played to the other team. Um, we'll probably look back and say we missed a few chances through that game to maybe take control a little bit, 
But again, you have to say, you know, well done to the other team for, for seizing those moments. So, yeah, it's obviously disappointing. But to get to the last 16 in the in the country, we haven't been there for a while. So, um, you know, really pleased in that aspect. And um, I think there's a lot of positives we can take out of, of that, that cup run. It was a mixture of the first team and second team players, which was great for the club. And yeah, hopefully we can take the experiences from that competition and, and put it into the, the second half of the season in the league for, for both the first team and the second team. You said there sometimes you just have to, you know, take your hat off to the other team and, and say, well played. I mean, that looked like an absolutely incredible chase from them to get 189 and 30 overs for the loss of no wicket. That Was it just a particularly strong opening pair from them? They're a good team. They've, they've always dominated in the, the Essex Premier League, as, as far as I know. And yeah, look, we're obviously disappointed we didn't make it a little bit more difficult for them. But they are two very good players that open the batting. And um, yeah, they're a very good team all in all. If, if you look at their their squad, they've got some some ex-first-class contracted cricketers playing for them. They've got Chris Green, who obviously um, travels the world and, and plays T20 cricket in, in all the the big franchises. So, yeah, to, to do as well as we did in terms of to, to set 185, I mean, there were probably 20, 30 less than we would have liked. And if we'd taken our chance early on, then who, who knows what could have happened. But, yeah, they were a strong opening pair and, you know, they, they batted well. And, yeah, it wasn't wasn't to be for us, unfortunately. Minda Ranawira passed 50 again in this innings. I think he got 100 last weekend as well. How important is he and his run of form to your success at the minute? Yeah, he's he's crucial. He's, he's a very good player. We know what, what we get with him. We know that he thoroughly in love, loves batting. Um, it's, it's hard to get a bat out of his hand. Even when we're fielding, he's always shadow batting. So, um, yeah, he's he's a big part of our, our team as, as a whole and a big part of our, our sort of batting group, if you like. And, Fingers crossed he can continue that form into the, the second half of the season. What can you what can you learn from this cup run that will help you now in the rest of your EAPL campaign? Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's taken the fact that, you know, we didn't give up. We always tried, you know, we, we tried to get in the fight and do the best we can. And I think the big thing for me is, is the attitude and taking that attitude of every, every second you're on that field or every time you're bowling a ball or every time you're chasing a ball in the field, you're putting in 100%. And, it's that attitude of um, you know always wanting to to do your best and compete and, and never giving up really. Also, a reminder that Foxton are in the National Village Cup this weekend and they take on Stoke Green second eleven apparently in the quarterfinals. Now Stoke Green are bottom of the third tier of the Thames Valley Cricket League. So Foxton, of course, as we know, reached the Lords final in 2015. They'll be hoping to go one better this year and win the competition to do that. They'll have to be Stoke Green this Sunday in the quarterfinals. It's at home and, of course, you can go and watch. So go and support the local guys if you can do. Now, Triplo had a break from EAPL action this weekend, but that was only because they were in a national T20 semi-final and they won, which means that they now have a national final to look forward to after a nail-biting semi-final win over Renthorpe. Skipper Lara Neal guided us through what was a low-scoring thriller while also telling us what to expect as they come up against Mildenhall in the final. It was a very, very tense game. Obviously, as the score suggests, it was quite a low-scoring game. Um, we batted first, as you said, and post-89. Uh, we lost a few quick wickets early on, which is not ideal. And then we had a rain delay, which actually, I think, played quite well in our favour. Um, the two girls who came in to bat just before that saw the rain delay and had a minute to recompose themselves and readjust and settle in. And then, so that was Izzy James and Kelly Haynes batted really well, put on a really nice partnership, scored quite a few runs for us there, which really helped. And then good little contributions down the order helped us get to that score. I think at the halftime break, we were all a bit like, this is a great day out and it'll be great if we get through. But actually it was just, we knew we hadn't posted as many runs as we wanted. Um, but actually we bowled such tight lines, very, very few extras, and they just couldn't really get it away. And it just, bowling-wise, everyone performed so, so well, and it was just a very satisfying win. Yeah, sure, sounds like it. And then, so that was the semi-final. You're in a national final. Again, congratulations. Um, when is that, and do you know who you'll be playing yet? So the national final is on the 1st of August at Kibworth in Leicester. Um, we're playing against Mildenhall. Ironically, as the competition has been, they're the team that's closest to us geographically. Um, we've had to travel a lot further away for all of our games, so 
it'll be good to play somebody we actually know. Um, we have a very tight rivalry with Mildenhall anyway from the EAPL. Um, and so it's looking to be a very, very interesting match. As I say, we all know each other quite well, so it'll be very tight. But as you like on a final, you just don't know, do you? So you have performs best on the day will be the winner, but it'll be a good day out. From the Pavilion on Cambridge 105 Radio. So welcome back to From the Pavilion here on Cambridge 105 Radio. Now, no guests this week. As you said, we're pre-recording from different parts of the country. So me and Nathan are going to have a good old natter about what he's got planned over the next few weeks. Where are you off to then, Nathan? Come on, enlighten us. You're, you're heading back over the border to England and you're heading down to the capital. Is that right? Yeah, I'm going to be in London for the next month to six weeks. Uh, managed to get a gig there. Working in the 100, which will be quite exciting. I'm going to be embedded in the London spirit bubble. That's uh, Owen Morgan's team. And uh, yeah, so we'll be doing some social media stuff for them. I'm going to be the guy in the corner taking lots of pictures of them for the Instagram, that type of thing. But yeah, quite cool. Quite cool. It means I get to get to live with the team and get involved in that. And, you know, brand new tournament, quite exciting. I know it's got some mixed mixed reaction from, from people, but I'm quite looking forward to it. What is the situation with the bubble? Because obviously we've, we've seen that the ECB have moved away from a biosecure environment with the national side. Hence, that sort of why they had a few issues with a few positive tests, it, it seems. Um, and of course, the, the increasing Delta variant as well. What's the situation with your bubble? Yeah, I think it's a kind of a wait and see type situation, to be honest. I think for obvious reasons with what happened with England, people are looking to be careful and they're still trying to figure out what the best way of doing it is. But I think after what happened what this roughly this time last year when cricket came back and players were literally you know locked in their hotels i think they're really trying to avoid that because i think they can appreciate that you know that really isn't great for for people's mental well-being etc especially you know for what a five six week tournament so i think you know they'll, it'll probably end up being somewhere in between although i, I don't know yet they haven't been told moving on to the the county game i just want to have a look at the uh, the the situation in the in the championship because we're reaching the the business end, really, is as the teams look to compete to get into Division 1. Of course, there's three conferences at the minute, Group A, B and C. The teams in pole position before this round of fixtures, Nottinghamshire and Warwickshire, the top two in Group A, Somerset and Gloucestershire in the Group B, and Yorkshire, Lancashire in Group C. But it's all pretty tight in the majority. Lots of teams uh, can still qualify for that Division 1. Of course, then they will compete again in I think about four rounds of fixtures in September for the county championship title. But even that's been affected by Kevin, isn't it? Because we've seen the, the Essex Derbyshire game being abandoned after or just before day two got underway. I guess it's a similar situation to what happened with England and the ODIs and 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 uh, and that and all the players and who have been in close contact and management staff had to self isolate for, for ten days and of course those players will sort of be coming out of the isolation uh, this week, um, and uh, and what a story is though for those for those players who got picked. Great story for county cricket as well. Who've uh, a lot of them have, have have been in the county game for a while and and been consistent performers. Some of them young players as well. But a great story for county cricket in that they can call upon a, a new squad of I think about sixteen or eighteen players and they can perform against a really really strong Pakistan side. I think yeah, I think it's a fantastic endorsement for especially the white ball setup, isn't it? That you know these guys can just can just go in and and can and can take up where where everyone else has has left off. I mean, you know, you look at someone like Phil Salt, who did well the other day. I mean, well, he's had quite a lot of success going over to Australia and playing big bash over there, hasn't he? Or he's played in a few other leagues around the world. So I think you know the decision to to finally a few years ago was it to finally open up and and let the English players go over and and, and take part in all these. It's you know when you've got someone like him who can't who does well in these leagues and then doesn't really get anywhere near the England side apart from an outbreak. It's a it's a pretty good um, reflection of where England's white ball game is at the minute. Yeah, and also the depth of the the county system as well, because you can't imagine many countries, if any at all, would be able to call on well their their, their eighteen domestic county structure and just pluck sixteen or eighteen players who are a able to then compete straight away, but also then come and beat a Pakistan side who are, who are a really formidable outfit. As well, you know, a lot of a lot of sort of county stru- or domestic structures across the world now have have been shrunk to to try and create a, a concentrated pool of talent. Whereas the the county system in England continues to to go against that mould, but works really really well for England and has proven that 
proven that this week as well. So we'll wrap up the, the county game when the, the matches are finished this week on next week's show. It looks like an exciting end to the conference system, a bit of debate around that structure at the time, but it looks as though uh, it's going to be a, a good final Division One anyway, competing for the county championship title and then, of course, uh, the Bob Willis Trophy in the back end of September. Enjoy the 100, Nathan. Enjoy your trip to London. Of course, you'll still be on the show. We'll still be um, getting your thoughts on the airwaves regularly. Uh, I will, yeah. Looking forward to it. And yeah, next time I'll be talking to you, I'll be in a, I'll be in a hotel room trying to tell it. I think it'll be what, my second day of work will be will be the next show. So that'll be, oh, won't have been in for long, but uh, I'm sure I'll be able to tell you what's going on. Can you get Owen Morgan on the show for us? <laughs> I'll do my best. It's funny <laughs> enough, actually. Um, you, it's funny you mentioned him. They did actually say to me the weeks, they could have put me with any team. They did actually say that they, they thought it would be a good idea to put me in with Owen because they thought he would respond well to having an Irish, another Irish voice <laughs> in camp. So I got that gig uh, literally just because I, I talk a bit funny. Brilliant. You and you and Owen together, get him on the show. In fact, get all of them on the show. There must be some cracking players at London Spirit. Yeah, Mark Wood's there. Um, Dan Lawrence is there as well. Um, Mark Wood's been on the show before. There you go. He there you give go. you a positive endorsement to Owen. I, I'm sure he would. And I have been told that Mark Wood is very, um, very media friendly, and I've been told out of out of that squad, he is he's the type of bloke who never says no to anything. So fingers crossed. You never know. I look forward to it. There you go. Next week on the show, Owen Morgan will be here. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan, thanks for your time this evening. Cheers, Ali. That's all we've got time for on this week's From the Pavilion. Thank you very much for tuning in. A bit of a different show this week, except for myself and Nathan away. I'll be back in the studio next week, and Nathan will be joining us from London as we continue to bring you the very latest from the local cricket scene in Cambridgeshire. We'll be back next week on Cambridge 105 Radio, Tuesday at 6, as we will every week throughout the summer here until September is done. You can catch the podcast if you missed any of today's show. Just head to cambridge105.co.uk or you can find us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts too. Until next week, stay safe and well. And once again, thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Cambridge 105